fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe unto him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have a heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Better is a poor and wise child than an old and foolish king, who will no more be admonished. For out of prison he cometh to reign, whereas also he that is born in his kingdom becometh poor. I considered all the living which walk under the sun with a second child that shall stand up in his stead. There is no end of all the people, even of all that have been before them. They also that come after shall not rejoice in them. Surely this also is vanity and a vexation of spirit. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. Be more ready to hear than to give a sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. God is in heaven, and thou upon the earth, therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. For he hath no pleasure in fools, pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow, than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin, neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice, and destroy the work of thy hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words there are also divers vanities, but uh, fear thou God. Thou seest the oppression of the poor, and violent perverting of judgment, and justice, and a providence. Marvel not at the matter, for he that is higher than the highest, he regardeth, and there be higher than they. Father, we thank you tonight for the uh, prayer room tonight. Thank you for the testimony of what the Lord's been doing uh, in the lives of some of our uh, church members that needed extra help. Thank you, Lord, for the grace of God. And your grace that we find out in times of need that it truly is sufficient. Lord, we ask you tonight, bless your word, open up our open up my mouth to speak and open up their ears to hear. And we pray there'd be liberty in here because the Spirit of the Lord was in this room, and that there'd be liberty in here. Uh, Lord, touch our hearts, uh, bring things to our remembrance we might not have thought of yet. Bring things to our remembrance we have thought of, if you'd have us to Remember them tonight. We pray for the lost any time they step on these grounds. We pray, Lord, that even if they don't get saved, and we pray they will, but even if they don't get saved, we pray as soon as they get on the grounds, they'll know this is the place where the Lord is. And, uh, Lord, just have your way tonight and help me to teach. Forgive me my sins, failures, in Christ's name. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to look at verse 5 where we started at tonight. And uh, he said, The fool foldeth his hands together, and he eateth his own flesh. What in the world does that mean? Well, uh, in other words, sometimes we destroy ourselves because we do nothing. And uh, that's true spiritually, and that's also true physically. Uh, I've seen folks that have problems, and the only thing they'll do is complain. Uh, and they don't try nothing. Uh, spiritually, physically. Let's think of physically. I don't know about you, but when I 
I'm allergic to pain. And uh, uh, that I told me, Brother Eddie, one day he told me, he said, I don't believe in doctors and surgery. I said, you just ain't been enough pain yet. They'll make a believer out of you before you leave. Uh, but uh, I thank God for doctors and nurses and medications and all that we've got here. And uh, I know everybody ain't the same. Uh, Max Helen's not as much this way as I am. Uh, but when I get hurting, I'm going to take something. I'm going to try something. And uh, I'm going to try a heating pad or I'm going to go to the chiropractor or I'm going to take uh, some pills or some meth or something. I'm going to get some help somewhere. Uh but a lot of times, a lot of times that I've learned that, that a lot of times you can suffer for weeks, or if you just went to the doctor, if you tried something, it'd be over. Uh, it'd be over. But you see, he's saying here uh, that we destroy ourselves uh, because we don't do anything. And, uh, and we can turn that around and apply it to the, you know, the spiritual sense uh, uh, in the same way. I mean, we can sit around and talk about how cold we are and how dead we are and do nothing about it except just talk about it. Uh, we can complain about everybody in the church is dead, preacher's dead, singing's dead, choir's dead, uh, and not get no better. But that's when we got to pray. Uh, one fellow said, if you want to get rid of your preachers, so just start praying for him real hard and he'll get to preaching real good and somebody else will want him. And he said, if that don't work, just come up to him and say, Preacher, I'd like to do something. Is there anything I can do? And said he'd have a heart attack and you'd get rid of him that way. Uh, so uh, do something. Do something. Try something. Uh, uh, I always use this illustration I have for years because everybody here knows what it is to drive a car in about a 12-inch snow and you get off the road in a rut. If you don't do something, you ain't coming out of that rut. You got to hit the gas, the brake. You got to do something, or you're not coming out. And a lot of people get their Christian life in a rut, and they're not coming out because they don't do nothing. You got to start doing something different. Uh, obviously, as the old saying is, if you're not satisfied the way things are, and you keep doing the same thing, it's a fool that thinks anything's going to change. Uh, you got to try something different. Do something different. Uh, for some people, it would be good for them to try Wednesday night service or Sunday night service or Sunday school. Uh, it would be good for them, amen? Uh, but, uh, you know, try something. Uh, read your Bible through. Uh, start uh, disciplining yourself to meet God in prayer at a certain time every day. Uh, start uh, witnessing one person a day or passing out one track a day. I mean, just try anything. Do something. Uh, because when you don't do anything, you destroy your own self. Uh, amen? Amen. Anybody want to comment on that? All right. Both, both testaments here in, uh, in uh, verse uh, 6, it said, uh, Better is a handful with quietness than both the handfuls with travail and vexation of spirit. Now, connecting that with verse 5, where the Bible said the fool folded his hands together, and he eateth his own flesh. In other words, he don't do nothing. Both Testaments speak of helping the poor and the sick and the widows, and the widows indeed and the less fortunate. Uh, both Testaments encourage that. Uh, 
in the New Testament and Old Testament. Uh, now, uh, the New Testament does not encourage us to help those who will not help themselves. Uh, the old saying is that God even won't help them that won't help themselves. Uh, but in the Second Thessalonians 3 and 10, you know there's a verse there Paul wrote there and about some folks there in the church at uh, Thessalonica. And, uh, and Paul said, uh, uh, he said, verse 10, For even when we were with you, that this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, circle it, working not at all. They wasn't doing anything. Now if a fellow's trying to work, he's trying to do what he can do, uh, we're supposed to help him. Uh, but if they're not doing anything, I'm not talking about disabled folks, I'm talking about people that's you know, able to do something. If they're not doing anything, then we're not to help them. Uh, but if, uh, if they're doing, it says here, if they're not working at all, that's a qualifying statement. If they're not doing anything, some people's doing something, they just ain't able to do a lot. And uh, so you appreciate their effort. Okay, he said a little can be better. Uh, said better's a handful with quietness than both handfuls with travail, vexation of spirit. In other words, uh, you'd be better with a with a cracker and blown in cheese, uh, off in a quiet, peaceful place, than you would be with a four course dinner and everybody arguing, fussing around the table. Uh, amen. So little uh, is better than large. Uh, the Bible, we've looked at this, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6 through 10, where the Bible said, Some supposing that gain is godliness. In other words, if it's a big bunch, God must be in it. Uh, that's the way we look at things. Uh, if, it's, uh, if it's a lot, boy, God must be in it. God must be blessing that. Well, that may be true, but the Lord also blesses where two or three are gathered together. Uh, the Lord blesses that too. And uh, so uh, that there's a lot, a lot in that word contentment. Uh, godliness with contentment is great gain. If you're not content, it wouldn't matter if you had five thousand. Uh, you still wouldn't be content. And I know some people just content as smug as a bug in a rug, and they ain't got just a few, uh, but they're content. They know that's where God wants them. And uh, that's where the blessing is. Uh, it's where the Lord wants you. Now, we see here that Solomon said, Then I returned, and I saw vanity under the sun. Solomon, Solomon, uh, he had so many decisions to make because he had so much. Less you have, less decisions you got to make. Isn't that true? Now, you think about what Solomon had. He's the Bill Gates, the... Rockefeller his day, we read over there about all that he had and, and all of that, and uh, I guess it's all right, uh, but he had to make a lot of decisions every day, uh, and so that wears you out. Uh, Solomon said it's, uh, it's vanity, vexation of spirit, wears you out. Now, uh, let me explain it this way. If after church Sunday morning, you get in the car, and if you're like my family, you probably get in the car and you say, where are we going to go eat at? Well, that's a very easy decision. If you ain't got $5, you're going to McDonald's dollar menu. That's easy to decide. 
But if you got a couple hundred dollars, then you're going to sit there and finally wind up getting in a fight trying to decide where you're going to go eat at. Uh, so sometimes uh, little's better. Uh, that's like, uh, uh, that's like uh, if your closet's hanging full of dresses and suits and you stand there for 35 minutes on Sunday morning or Saturday night trying to decide which one you're going to wear, hey, that ain't no problem if you ain't got the two. You wore the one Sunday morning, you can't wear it back Sunday night because everybody's saying you wear it Sunday morning. And Brother Sheets, uh, he went one day, and he I guess he applied that principle. He said he got up one morning, he used to wear ties just like me, me psychedelic, checking suit coats. And, and he said every Sunday morning he'd go and he'd try to decide, does this tie match this shirt? Does this jacket match the tie? And he said one day he was standing there one morning and he just grabbed them all and took them over there and just stole them on the bed. He said he went and bought him five black suits and five black ties and five white shirts. No decision now. Real easy. Uh, just get one of them. They're all the same. Uh, makes the decision a lot easier. Amen? You remember when we... Uh, Several of you in here, maybe all of you is old enough to remember when we had them rabbit ears on the TV, or you had a coat hanger stuck in it, or you had a wire run out the window. Hey, it wasn't no trouble to decide what show you should watch. Gun smoke, if you're lucky. But all you could get was 13 and 5, and you might have to go out there and turn the antenna to find out which one you're going to get. But now we and y'all, I guess some of you's got them fire sticks, 2,000 shows. We sat long enough trying to decide what show to watch to watch a show. Uh, and the more we get, you know, the more decisions that we have to make. And then we all complain about having too much stress. Well, you and I can lower our stress levels by downsizing some areas of our life. Uh, and that's what Solomon's saying here. He says in verse 8, he said, There is one alone, there is not a second. Yea, he hath neither child nor brother, yet is there no end of all his labor, neither is his eye satisfied with the riches, neither saith he, For whom do I labor and bereave my soul of good? This is also vanity, yea, it is a sore travail. Solomon, of course, he's talking about a, uh, an only child. Uh, he's talking about somebody with no brother, no sister, no wife, but the person works and saves and and all his life. He works overtime seven days a week, and he saves, and he never stops to think, who's going to get all this? Uh, that's what Solomon's uh, he's saying. Now, uh, I remember one time me and Dad, and I don't know if this turned out this way or not, but I believe it did. My father used to help a guy strip back every winter. Uh, we'd hire out. Daddy was working construction work, so he was laid off in the wintertime. And so we'd help a man uh, strip tobacco uh, every year. And uh, and it was just him and his wife. They didn't have no children and, and uh, never did see nobody else come around much, but he had a lot of money and had a lot of land. And... Uh, and I was told that because he had no children and he had nobody around, that he was leaving that land to the bank. 
with one stipulation. The farm had to always carry his name. You say, what's that? Well, that's vanity and vexation of spirit. Uh, I mean, uh, well, they didn't go to church or anything. Uh, if they did, it would have been a lot better to leave it to the church. Uh, you say, what would that do? They'd lay up treasures in heaven. Uh, they'd put missionaries on the field, buy a new church bus to run through the city, give the preacher a raise. Hey, there's uh, all kinds of things that, that could have been done, and that would be laying up treasures up there. But I guarantee you we're not going to get up there and they're going to say, and we want to give this reward to brother so-and-so because of what he did for the bank. That ain't going to happen. That's going to be wood, hay, stubble, and fire. That's uh, what that's going to be. Uh, so uh, it's good. I'm not saying it ain't good to labor. It ain't good to save. It ain't good to lay up. All that's good. But it ain't good if there ain't nobody left to leave it to. Because if you don't have a will and you don't leave it to anybody, guess who's going to get it? I mean, that's the way it's going to go. They'll get a bunch of it anyway. Uh, so, well, that's one problem I don't have, so I uh, don't know if you do or not. But he said uh, two's better than one. You believe that? Isn't two hundreds better than one hundred? Isn't two twenties better than one twenty? Two's better than one. Uh, notice uh, notice he says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Two people out knocking doors can do good, but four can do better. Six can do a lot better. Eight can really do good, and 10 to 20 can really cover a neighborhood. Uh, they have a good reward for their labor uh, because they can do more. He says, for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. And that's why it's a blessing, you know. The uh, Bible said uh, marriage is honorable. And said, Whosoever findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, obtaineth favor of the Lord. And as you get older, that verse really comes to life. Two are better than one. You say, why? Because after we get a little age on us, it takes two of us to make one. You ever heard that said? Why well, said both of us together wouldn't make one good one. Well, that's why we need. To, that's why we need help as we get older. And uh, I've, I've thought, and I've, I've thought, and I've seen a lot of times people that divorced. You know, after been married 40, 50 years, and uh, then a few years later they're older, and they ain't got nobody to help them. They ain't got nobody uh, there with them, and uh, so. Uh, people that say, you know, they make all these jokes about uh, wives and husbands and don't marry and how bad it is. Uh, but I promise you, who'll get the last laugh on that? You got somebody to help you when you get older and uh, somebody to sit with you at the hospital. Uh, somebody to, uh, you, you can't make it on your Social Security check, but you can kind of get by on two. Two's better than one. And, uh, and the Bible, you know, it's all for that. The Bible says marriage is honorable and a bed undefiled and, uh, and all those things. Uh, so two's better than one. I'm not saying that you can't make it with one. You can, but you 
make it better with two, provided the second one is the right one. Now, there is a time when two ain't better than one. If you get the wrong one. And uh, we've all seen that happen too. Okay, he's talking about a man and a wife. Two are better than one. Talking about a brother and a sister. Two are better than one. He's talking about friends. Two are better than one. And even a, even a pet. Some people don't have no brother or sister or kids or nothing, but they got a pet. That means there's two in the house. Two's better than one. You say, why? Well, you get a little comfort out of the pet. Uh, make a little company out of the pet. Uh, so you can go on with that. And of course, uh, it's pretty self-explanatory. He said if they fall, if one uh, fall, you know, a lot of times uh, I always hated that commercial uh, where that person's falling. They said, I've fallen. They can't get up. And uh, and most of us that have already lost our parents have went through that where that one's already gone on, the other one's still there, and it's a constant worry. Uh, you go to sleep every night, lay the phone there by the bed, and just to hope and pray and you don't get a call that they fail. Of course, if they fall, you want them to call you. And then you're worried if they fall, then maybe they can't call you. Uh, so, you know, that makes it bad, but if there's two there, at least one can get help. And if they can't get help, they can uh, maybe help you get up some. Uh, so he's saying two that's better than one because of the help, the comfort, the strength, the company, and the conversation. Just somebody to talk to. You find this out and you get out visiting folks. There's a lot of lonely people out there. If anybody was just looking for something to do in the church, just look around and find you about five lonely people and just go see them once a month. Uh, old story, but uh, her name was Miss Lily Mae Whitehead. And uh, she showed up at church one Sunday morning up in the old building. And she was a rather large lady up in years. And we was going through a dry spell. Nobody testified. Nobody had been saved for eight or nine months probably. And I preached that morning, gave the invitation, and Miss Lily May stepped out. And boy, my heart thumped. I thought, praise God, we're going to have somebody get saved this morning. She come down to the altar. It took her a while to get down there, and she got down. And I went around to the side there and got down beside her. And just as soon as I knelt down beside her, she looked over and said, How you doing? And my, my heart just sunk. And I went home, took some Prozac, slept a while. But I found out Miss Lily May's story, and it made all the difference in the world. She'd been married three times. All three of them had died a tragic death. Uh, she married, uh, the first man she married got Lou Gehrig's disease, which was one of the ten rarest diseases in the world. Well, let me back up. Before she even got married, there was her and her sister, and her daddy worked, and her mama stayed home with them, and her mama was crazy. And her daddy didn't know it because when he was there, she, she'd act all right. But she said as soon as he'd leave to go to work, so her mom would get a butcher knife out and chase him through the house, and she'd get in the bedroom with her little sister 
and pull everything up to the door she could to keep her out till her daddy got home. Well, of course, eventually he found out her mother had bad mental problems. And uh, they awarded, uh, they put her in a mental institution. And her daddy awarded her and her sister to be wards of the state. And she said the last, uh, the last time she ever remembered seeing her daddy, that they were down at the court and they were standing before the judge and said she was on one side and her sister on the other side and her daddy in the middle. And uh, she said uh, the judge awarded them to uh, a uh, children's home, ward of the state, orphan's home. And she said uh, they were standing facing the judge. Said the last time she saw her daddy, said he walked away and said she turned around in a little while and she saw her daddy about midways down the aisle and said he looked back about that time. And said there was a tear coming down his face. Said that's the last time she ever seen her daddy. She married. Uh, husband died of Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, don't remember what happened to the second husband. Something tragic. But her third husband, he was a lineman, and he worked on the lines. And he said he got called in one night, and said he, uh, she begged him not to go. Said you had a terrible feeling. Said don't go. I just I just feel like you don't need to go. I just got a bad feeling. Well, he went out. It was a violent storm, lightning flashing. He climbed a pole and lightning struck him and killed him that night. Her life was one tragic story after the other. I seen how lonely she was. And uh, and I on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, usually Christmas Eve. I'd go to uh, White Castle, and I'd get a two-piece chicken dinner. I'd get two of them. First time I'd done it, I got one, and, and I went over there and knocked on her door, and she come to the door, and she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to have Christmas dinner with you. And I took her to death. I went in, we sat down, and had Christmas dinner. And uh, I got to notice, and she had a, a, a big stack of those awake magazines Jehovah's Witnesses give you. And uh, I said, Sister Lily May, I said, you don't need to let them people in. She said, ah. She said, I was raised in a Baptist orphanage. I know what's right. I know what I believe. I know what they teach is all lies. I said, well, what do you let them in for? I get lonesome. I want somebody to talk to. Well, that broke my heart. And you know, it was a, a preacher that got to visiting and I don't know if he's a preacher or not, but anyway, he he wound up with a house, the whole deal. The last I've heard of her, she was in a home somewhere and died. But tragic, didn't have nobody, uh, one alone. Uh, if you have a if you have a kid, they can kind of watch over you and say, "Now, mommy, you need to watch that guy. He's he don't seem right to me." But you know, an old pe- old person uh, and lonesome. Uh, they'd about give the house just to have somebody to talk to. Uh, so uh, that's what he's saying here. He's saying two's better than one. Again, if two lie together, they can have heat on them cold nights. You know, your wife will say to you, or you say to her, boy, it's going to be cold tonight. We're going to have to snuggle tonight. Two's better than one. Uh, you 
get a little little heat off each other that way. And he said, uh, but how can one be warm alone? Well, he can't really. He's got an electric blanket. You can't get no body heat from yourself. It's all going off. You've got to have somebody else there to get your body heat. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. Think about Tom Malone. Dr. Tom Malone, great preacher. Brother Caleb bought me a, his biography the other day. And uh, Dr. Malone, uh, he said one night him and his wife was in the bed. And he said they heard a racket downstairs. And his wife did like yours has probably done. I hear something. And he probably done like we do. Oh, lay down. There ain't nothing in there. Yeah, go check. <laughs> Got a little bit uh, louder. Dr. Malone creeped down the stairs, and there's a guy that broke in the house. And, uh, and he jumped on him. And they wrestled around there. And the guy was getting the best of him. By that time, Miss Malone had woke up, and she come down, and she jumped on him. Two's better than one. They couldn't get him down, but together they got him down. It was about 4 o'clock in the morning. They finally got him down, got him in a chair. And Dr. Malone said, uh, well, he said, today's Sunday. He said, you got two choices. And the guy said, what's that? He said, you can either... I call the sheriff and go to jail. I passed a church and go to church with us this morning. The guy said, I'd love to go to church. And uh, I think he went to church, wound up getting saved, and uh, that's how the whole thing worked out. But it never would have worked that way if there hadn't been two of them. Uh, two's better than, better than one. All right, he said, uh, better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. Uh, well, uh, you know, Josiah was uh, eight years old when he began to reign, uh, or seven years old, and uh, he was a good king. Uh, but Solomon, who was in line to reign, was a foolish old king. He allowed his heart to be turned to many strange women, got to building uh, groves and worshiping idols. Uh, so sometimes somebody that looks like is really destined to, to do good don't do too good. And somebody, sometimes somebody you didn't think could ever make it, they make it. Uh, so I always tell people, don't, don't give up on your child because right now it's giving you headaches and problems and in and out of trouble constantly. And you look across and you say, man, their child, they never give no problems, make good grades, uh, never no trouble with the law, don't fool with drugs or alcohol. Yeah, that's right now. But all that could change. And your child could wind up better than their child. I mean, it'd be great if both of them winded up good. Uh, but you don't never know. We all know people that They'd already been told they ain't going to never amount to nothing. They ain't worth killing. And then you lose track of them. A couple of years later, you see them. They got saved and they're in church and they got a good job or they got a good marriage or they're in the ministry. Uh, you know, just something like that. All right, verse 15 and 16. He said, I considered 
all the living which walk under the sun with the second child that shall stand up in his stead. There's no end of all the people. Let me ask you if you've ever done this. Uh, some of you have traveled a lot or traveled at all. Have you ever been driving up the interstate just passing those cars one right after the other? It's bumper to bumper. And you just think, man, there ain't no way we can win all these people to the Lord. This is crazy. We, we win one or two, three. Ain't no way we could ever win the world to the Lord. Well, the Bible doesn't say we've got to win them. The Bible just said warn them. Warn them. And the only way we could do that is all of us working at it together. Uh, I've drove many times to Revival. Then Sammy went up yesterday to Louisville. We got stuck in traffic for two hours on the way back. They had a bad uh, tractor-trailer accident, and we sat for a long time. But see, all them cars, as far as you can see, all them trucks, as far as the eye can see, I've left here going to a revival like that, and I know where I'm going. I'm going to be preaching to 20 people, 30 people. I passed 5,000 on the way up there. And the devil gets to talking and says, you're going to win them all? You're going to preach to 30 people. You passed 5,000 on the way up there. And the devil, if you listen to him, He'll, he'll get you under the sun. Vanity of vanity. But God has devised means in our generation. There's more people on earth than there ever has been. Last count I had, 7.5 billion. That's a lot of people. Would you say 40,000 got killed in an earthquake? Uh, that's as many as Glasgow. The whole city of Glasgow wiped out in one event. Uh but sometimes God, we got more people, but God has devised more ways. We may not use them, but they're there. We got internet. She's able to sit in Louisville the whole time she's been gone, watch services most of the time, only for one or two. Uh, nurses come in now, doctors in there. Uh, social media. If it was used for the right way, be a great tool for evangelism. But most of what's on there has got nothing to do with evangelism or winning the loss. But it's there. Uh, it, it's there. We got TV, radio, internet. I mean, we have easily got the means to reach the whole world. At least to warn the whole world. We got the means to do that. Even in places that are not even, you know, isolated places. Say, well, yeah, but you know, 7 billion people, that's a lot of people. It is. I'm reminded of a, a story I'm sure you've heard. Uh, I've used it preaching. I'm sure others have. Uh, and it told of an old man who had a habit of walking on the beach every morning. He lived on the beach, and every morning he'd get up and he'd walk on the beach every morning. And early, early one morning, he was walking along the shore of the beach, and a big storm had passed through that night. And the waves had got high, and they'd come up on the beach. 
And as far as the eye could see, the beach was littered with thousands and thousands of starfish that had washed up on the beach. And as the old man was walking, he seen off in the distance a young boy. He couldn't really tell what he was doing, but every now and then he'd reach down and he'd throw something. And finally they kept walking. They got closer. And uh, the boy walked to where he was and he paused for a minute. And the boy reached down, picked up one of them starfish, and he throwed it out in the sea. And the old man said, uh, Son, can I ask you what you're doing? And the young boy said, Well, I'm throwing starfish back in the sea. The tide washed them in. And uh, they can't get back. They'll, they'll die. And the old man said, Son, look, there's tens of thousands of them as far as the eye can see. He said, You're not going to make any difference. The boy was stooping down, picking up one, and he picked it up, and he throwed it as far as he could. It'll make a difference to that one. We can't win the thousands, but we can make a difference to that one that comes along our weekly path. Uh, keep one out of hell, you've done a whole lot. Amen? Amen. All right, that brings us to the end of chapter forward we'll just stop there we got 15 minutes to go but we'll just stop there rather than going into chapter 5 and uh, thank you for coming sister Gail thank you for sharing that uh, testimony everybody's been praying and they've never stopped uh, and uh, every week uh, people ask and we send out emails and uh, brother Billy says Joanne we're praying for y'all too and well it's a blessing to know that God give a little ease in that after Sunday night praying. And uh, you know what answered prayer does? It makes you want to pray. Amen. Amen. Jesus Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. Here's why he said he'd do it, that your joy might be full. And there's nothing that gives me more joy than daily answered prayer. And you should have prayers answered daily. Daily. All right, let's stand if you would, please, and anybody.